Highland, it's a good story. It's a really, really good story. And, and I tell you what, I, I love seeing the transition from a field to this marvelous facility. A neighborhood tree becomes a cross, and two people become a couple. Uh, love each other and love the Lord. It's a great, great story. Uh, Larry and Burnell are one of many family units that have given sacrificially to build this wonderful facility. I, I, as a pastor, I was involved in seven different building projects, and then I also served as a consultant helping churches with their building projects. So uh, I, I know a little bit about church buildings. And I have to tell you, and I see this facility and the usage of space and the ambiance that is created by space. You know what? I mean, space speaks, does it not? It creates an ambiance. And I want you to know that this is a top-tier facility. So thank you for all the sacrifices that you've made to be in this place. Now, this building is a means to an end. It's not the end. And that's why it was so good to hear the story of the Z family and the, the fact that the, out of this church, there is birth and there has gotten a vision that is now being fulfilled. How appropriate, as we're talking about money, to have one of the homegrown children of this church to be heading to uh, Papua New Guinea. Well, in Luke 12, uh, a man approaches Jesus and he says to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide his inheritance with me. And so that uh, request of Jesus causes Jesus to uh, engage in probably one of the most significant messages that he's going to be speaking on the subject of inheritances, investments, wealth, money, and our stuff. And I want you to know as we look at this message today, the Word of God is just going to meddle in our lives. Can we just admit that? It's just going to meddle in our lives. And that's a good thing because it means that we're listening and responding to the Word of God. And so there are two people that Jesus describes in this passage. One of those is going to be a, an affluent, wealthy man. And in verses 16 to 21, it's described as this man who has more than enough and then in verses 22 to 30, Jesus goes to the other end of the spectrum and he talks about the one who was worried about not having enough. And so we've got the affluent and we've got the less fortunate. And so I would dare say that within our congregation today, there are people who are at either extreme and there's places for us all somewhere on that continuum. Now what Jesus is going to say to us, as he said to this man, is that both extremes make Three mistakes about money. And so in verses 16 through 21, we have the mistakes that the affluent makes. And so we've got it on the screen, and so let's read it. And Jesus told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, and I will build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many, many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry, and spend the winter in Arizona. It's not there, but it's in the margin. But it's in the margin of the reading, isn't it? 
And God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So the affluent man makes three mistakes. And the first one is found in verse 18. That the affluent have a tendency to think bigger rather than benevolence. So the rich man has a dilemma. Where do I store all of my stuff? Now, he already had more than enough. And so he consults his financial advisor, which happens to be himself. And that would be the first indication that this man is going to be very, very selfish. He doesn't seek someone who's going to be objective. He seeks himself, and he says, what do you think I should do? And the other side of him says, you know what? We need to build bigger. We need to get more. We need to get richer. We need to get fatter. That's what the Bible calls greed. And in verse 15, Jesus uses that word, beware, be on your guard against all forms of greed. Greed literally means to have more or the desire, the, the lust for more. Now, greed is not limited to the affluent, but it can be a particular vice of the affluent. We do know this, that, that greed is powerful. And the desire for more is at the opposite of what we looked at last week where Paul said that we should learn to be content. We have contentment over here and we have greed over there. They're just at the opposite ends of the spectrum. And Jesus here is telling those who are affluent that there should come a moment in time where those who are affluent and wealthy say, enough is enough. Or to be able to say, it is more than enough. And so for those who are afflicted with affluence, don't make the mistake of thinking bigger. Think benevolence. Second mistake is in verse 19. And he is very arrogant about his own affluence. And in this man's statement, the pride and the arrogance just kind of oozes out of his sweat glands. I mean, this fellow is so proud of his stuff. And he is committed to enjoying all the pleasures that his wealth now affords. The unfortunate thing is that wealth can mask the real needs within the heart and soul of a person. Wealth can insulate us from poor and the needs and the hurting of people of others. Uh, wealth has a way of feeding our egos and our pride, our, our sense of self-sufficiency. And unfortunately, sometimes the affluent are so in tune with what they have and what they've done for themselves that they really can't sing from their depth of their being, God, you're a good, good father. If they're so focused upon what they have accomplished. They really can't sing that from their heart. So that's the second mistake. The third mistake is in verses 20 and 21, and it is the failure to plan for eternity. God hears what this man is going to do, and he says, you're a fool. That's a very strong word, is it not? A fool. And the, the Greek word for fool is so descriptive. 
It is literally a person without perspective. That's what a fool is. A fool is a person who acts and he makes his decisions without having any sense of perspective. And now in this case, a wealthy person is a fool when he fails to understand that eternity awaits him upon his death. And Jesus here would tell us all that it is foolish to invest all of our resources in one stock that is called time. My son is a portfolio manager, and he manages small cap tech stocks. It is an incredibly volatile sector. Now, wisdom would say that it is foolish to invest all of your portfolio into one small cap stock. It's foolish to do that. The wise thing is to build a balanced portfolio with some investments in time and also having investments in eternity. That's a good balanced portfolio. And eternity is going to find many people regretting that they missed the investment opportunity of a lifetime. On the screen is a picture of a house in Los Altos, California. Los Altos is an upscale community. There's a lot of wealth in this community. That's kind of a, you know, you know it's just an average rambler uh, in uh, the city of Altos. However, in the garage is what's most important because it was in this garage behind those garage doors, that Steve Wozniak and Stephen Jobs made their first Apple computer. And so what you see is the headquarters, the assembly line, and the management offices of Apple Computer when it began. Okay, The next picture shows their headquarters today. Yeah. Do you ever wish you had invested in Apple stock when they were in the garage? Let's be honest, we all do that, don't we? Just think of the return that we'd have on that investment. When you and I invest in the work of God, I guarantee you that it is an investment in a company that survived the Great Depression, the Great Recession, the COVID recession, and whatever happens in the election of 2020. I tell you what, when you make an investment like that, you are investing for eternity. And unfortunately, the, the foolish rich man failed to plan for eternity. What a lopsided portfolio he had. It's all about time. And I would encourage all of us that a balanced portfolio includes time as well as eternity. Now, he goes on to the other extreme now, and he talks about the mistakes that the less affluent make, the less fortunate, excuse me. And so in verses 22 to 30, this is what Jesus says. And he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. Uh, they neither have storehouses nor barns. And yet your 
God feeds them, how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Because he's a good, good father. And do you not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried? For all the nations, the pagans of the world, seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Powerful, powerful statement. So, three mistakes that the less fortunate make. First one is in verse 22, being anxious, being anxious about having enough. Four times in these verses, mention is made of being anxious and worrying about having our needs met. And both Greek words are very vivid in their imagery. Three times one word is used, and it refers to the parts as opposed to being whole. And it carries with it the, the idea of being torn apart. That's what worry is, to be torn into parts, being divided. It is the opposite of what peace is. Peace in the Bible means to be whole. The idea is that we could either be at peace or we are in pieces. And so a person who is anxious and worried is one who is being torn apart. Beautiful word picture of what worry is. In verse 29, a second word is used. In this word, uh, our English word meteor comes from this Greek word. It's the idea of being suspended in midair as opposed to being firmly planted on the ground. That's what anxiety and worry is. It is being suspended without any real foundation. Uh, one man says it's, it's to be wavering, to be vacillating, living suspended in anxiety. Both words show the devastating impact that worry and anxiety have upon us. They are destructive, they're unproductive, and ultimately, Jesus says, they reveal our lack of faith in God, our Father. The mistake number two is in verse 23, and it's the mistake of confusing a full house with a full life. There's more to life than what we eat and what we wear. And the temptation for those who are less fortunate is to think that if I could just have that item, my life would be good. If I could have those things, my life would be pretty full. And to think that a full house can give a full life is a mistake. 
story happened years and years ago when Trudy and I were, were newly married. I was serving as a youth pastor in a church in the western suburbs of Minneapolis, and I was going through a very difficult time. And it so happened that Trudy's former pastor from North Dakota was in town for a very large Christian conference. He was one of the teachers at this conference, and so uh, we made an appointment to see him after one of his teaching sessions. And so it was at the Minneapolis Convention Center. It was on a summer day, and so after uh, the session was done, we, we were walking to a restaurant. And so as we're walking across the street, I am pouring out my heart to this seasoned pastor. I was going through a very difficult experience at the church that I was serving, and I really didn't know how to, how to uh, deal with it or overcome it, and so I'm pouring out my heart to him. We walk across the street, and as we get onto, up onto the sidewalk, he suddenly stops and looks down at his shoes, and they were white, which kind of gives you an idea of the era in which uh, I'm talking about. And he had hit his white shoes on the curb and had scuffed them. And he was mad. And I remember that experience. I'm, I'm just pouring out my soul to him. And he stops. And he just fixates on his scuffed shoe for a few moments. And I'm thinking, what about my scuffed soul? Now, Trudy and I laugh about that experience today. But, you know, at that moment, I was pretty certain that this man was more concerned about his scuffed stuff than he was about a person. And there's a sense in which people can get so wrapped up in stuff, they think that that's what makes for a good life. And it's not stuff. It's relationships, and it's our walk with God, is it not? And so the third mistake that the less affluent make is, in verse 24, failing to trust God's provision for our needs. And he gives two examples, the ravens and the lilies. You know, I've never seen a bird standing on a curb with a sign at a busy intersection will sing for food. The ravens simply trust that food is going to be provided. They don't stockpile. They trust that they are going to have enough. And then the second illustration comes from lilies, that they do not labor or spin, yet they are beautiful. You know, their lifespan is so short, and yet their beauty is so breathtaking. And God is saying this. If I can provide food for the ravens, and I can clothe the lilies with so much beauty, Will I not care for you, precious, valuable child of mine? And he can. So foolish for us to think that he can't care for his precious children. And so he ends in verses 31 to 34 with how we can live carefree in the care of God. And so the verse says this, Instead, he said, seek his kingdom. And these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So how do we live carefree in the care of God? Number one is in verse 31 where he says this, Seek his kingdom rather than our own castle. 
the pursuit of God and his rule over our lives and the advancement of his sovereign reign over the world is to be our goal. And that's why when I hear stories of missionaries who are being commissioned and they're sent to places such as Papua New Guinea, and I realize these are people who are seeking the kingdom, are they not? They're giving up so much here, comfort, family, grandparents, all those sorts of things, and they're doing it for the kingdom of God. And so that's not for everyone, but we're all called to something. And so it is, what is it that you're calling me to do, Jesus, as a member of your kingdom? Can we all feel guilty for the next few moments? I'm going to give you some statistics that should make us all feel guilty. The average American home has 300,000 items in it. That's a lot of stuff. 300,000 items. Here's another statistic. The average size of the American home has nearly tripled in the last 50 years. So even though the size of our homes has nearly tripled, still today, one out of every 10 Americans needs to rent offside storage. It has been the fastest growing segment of commercial real estate for the past four decades. Basically, we have empty checkbooks, but we have full storage units. That's kind of what's happening today. How many of you have a two-car garage? Okay. Some of you may have more than a two-car garage. Did you know that 25% of people who have two-car garages cannot park either car inside? 32% have room for only one vehicle. Now, I suppose that that, that percentage decreases a little bit for Minnesotans when we have winter coming in October. Shame, shame on the weather for doing that to us. So we've got all this stuff, so much stuff. God says, what I want you to be about is seeking the kingdom rather than our own castle. Number two, verse 32, he says, remember that our real inheritance is in heaven. Have you heard the expression, where there's a will, there's a relative? Yeah, where there's a will, there's a relative. Well, here's what God as our heavenly Father says. If you're my child, if you're my son, if you're my daughter, your inheritance is the kingdom. Just think about that. Your inheritance as a child of God is the kingdom. Wow. And because that is our inheritance, the investments that we make today for that are in incredibly, in their return to us. And it's because of that promised inheritance we can, in verse 33, be generous. He says, sell, you know, uh, lighten your load, travel lighter, be generous with others. And finally, verse 34, and that is to guard our heart against placing too much value upon stuff. So, going to make this 
about as simple as I possibly can. So, in my pocket, I have a $20 bill, okay? And I'm going to put this $20 bill inside this uh, a nice little decorative can. And so, I can put my hand into that dollar, and I can pull it out really easily, put it in there and pull it out. But you know what? Something happens when I put that $20 bill in there, and I put my hand in there, and I hold on to that money with a firm grip. I'm grasping. I'm, I'm holding on to it. And as a result of that, I can't get my hand out of this little decorative pail. So kids, does this look foolish? If you were to see me walk in the street like this, you would think I was a little strange, wouldn't you? How silly it is that there are people today who walk through life with their hands firmly gripping this stuff that, frankly, is not going to make it into eternity. And so the message for us today is to lighten our grip. Lighten our grip on that stuff. If God has blessed you, thank you. And make sure that with the stuff that he's entrusted to you, you're a good steward. You're investing in a balanced portfolio for today, but for eternity. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for speaking to us today as a Heavenly Father who is concerned about the choices that we as your children make. Lord, continue to speak to us as we respond to what we've heard from you this day in Christ's name.